everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. And T Outlaw. And we are back with a brand new episode of the Gourmet Goober Podcast. You can always find me, JJ Outlaw, as always, on the Twitter at JJ Outlaw. I'm on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. And every week, we start this podcast with my co-host, Big Daddy, a.k.a. That Dude, a.k.a. T Outlaw, a.k.a. The Dark Desperado, a.k.a. Any new ones this week? Um, dark gritty. Dark gritty. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that like gritty? The Philadelphia Flyers mascot. That's right. Okay, that's disturbing for a number of reasons. Yes, it is. <laughs> you don't even like the Philly Flyers. I don't have to like them. <laughs> I just like gritty. Gritty's terrifying. Have you guys seen gritty? Oh my god, gritty's like a monster that started off as something and just gave up. Like, seriously, the eyes alone are freaky. Why yeah. would you want to identify with Gritty? Because I'm a monster. <laughs> okay. T. Outlaw, where can they find you? I'm not calling you the Dark Gritty. <laughs> you can find me the Dark Gritty. <laughs> Nay, T. Outlaw at T. Outlaw on Twitter. That's T-O-U-T-L-A-A-W. And on Instagram at... Tiala Chelsea Wells. As always, you can hit us up at thegourmetgoober.com where you can see recipes, um, links to old shows, press things, our brand new shiny media kit. So if you want to collaborate now, now's the time. Um, but yeah, just you can hit that up at thegourmetgoober.com. Drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. And if you're on Facebook, because... I guess people still use Facebook, gosh. But if you're on the Facebook while you're talking to your mom and them and you want to check out a latest thing, you can go to the Gourmet Goober blog because that's how this podcast started, as a blog. Yeah, um, because, hell, you know, as long as, you know, Elon Musk doesn't yet own Facebook, you know, we have a chance. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's a different billionaire overlord that owns Facebook. <laughs> yes. Hey, speaking of the Gourmet Goober podcast... Uh, we just hit our third anniversary. Woohoo! So oh, that's right. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday <laughs> to. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot we have to pay for that. Never mind. Yeah, I'm yeah, out. yeah. We don't have that kind of money. My bad. <laughs> Y'all need to buy a lot more t shirts for us to do that. <laughs> Speaking of t shirts, Gooper Swag. It's gooperswag.com. Another place you can hit us up. But we also recently hit a milestone. Um, well, actually, we've surpassed that. So, um, in terms of downloads, which we're a little sh indie show, um, we do it for the love and because we're goofy and wanted something to do with ourselves, and it was just a cool way to hang out. But you know, uh, most shows do not hit three years. Most, a lot of shows out there do not hit over ten thousand downloads. Um, and yeah, we're not like the biggest show out there, but for our fans and people who are out there who are very loyal and very awesome and let us know how much they like the show, um, hitting three years, it's kind of a big deal. So yes, it is. for everybody who played a role in growing the gourmet goober, um, we just want to say thank you, whether you started off reading us at the blog, um, which has been around since 2013, listening to the podcast. Um, yeah, we're just super great and thankful um, for all of you. So first of all, thank you for that and for continuing to supporting the show. And we are just thrilled to hopefully 
um, just continue growing and we hope that you'll be a part of it. Speaking of saying grateful, being grateful rather and saying thank you, can I just take a moment to say thank you to someone who just left the coolest review for us on Apple Podcasts? Really? Yeah. So we like to do something and it's by no mean our idea. It actually, um, we got the idea from another podcast that really inspired us. Um, the Black Guy Who Tips podcast hosted by Rod and Karen Murrow. Shout out to you guys. Um, but yeah, um, they have this thing where if you give them a five-star review, they'll actually read the five-star review on the program. And as long as it's a positive review, like if, you know, you say five star, but really talk about their mom and them, they're going to be upset and probably not do that. But if it's a nice review, then they give you all the love. And a lot of um, other podcasts we listen to, to the interracial John, to one that I totally love, Medium Popcorn. <laughs> they all do that in some format, which, by the way, if just a side note, if you guys have not heard Medium Popcorn Oh my God, get your life. It is so funny. I'm not going to say more than that. You got to listen to it just for their theme song. I've been listening to them forever, but I just, I was in a kind of grateful mood right before, you know, jumping on the mic because again, we hit three years and Medium Popcorn is one of the shows that really inspired us to start our own show. So shout out to them, but I think they do another thing close to it. But anyway, going back to review, um, this is from Max Matson. He left a review on April 18th. Okay. He said, five stars, the best pod, very informative podcast, and my favorite podcast, such great stories. I love the gourmet goober. So, yes. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> that was, like, really, really awesome. And I got to say, I saw that review on a day that I'm not going to go into details, but it just wasn't my most positive day. <laughs> so seeing that, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of why we do the podcast. We're kind of really grateful for that. So Max, thanks a lot. We hope that we still provide really informative stories and stuff that you want to listen to. Yeah, we share and because we care first and <laughs> foremost, but also because we like, we do like positive reinforcements. We also like, you know, saying, hey, you know, you know, you could, you know, be nice and, you can't tell us exactly what to cover, but at the same time, you know, you can, you know, always react to what we talk about and or, you know, you could drop your opinion, too. Well, if you wanted to leave a review, hit us up on, you know, Apple Podcasts, like Max said. It's a really great way to support the show. Um, We're in open form. Yeah. So you can drop us a line. You can do that. You can buy our swag. There's a number of ways that you can say, hey, we like it. So yeah. we really, again, as we go past our third year and beyond, we wanted to just say thank you and to share that. Yeah, we're a big fan of Scratch. You know, if you want to <laughs> grease palms, you know, we're willing to be, be good recipients. Yes, we, we, <laughs> we're always appreciative of that. So, hey, um, just wanted to talk about your week. Because I know this is sort of like busy week for you. Well, yes and no, because things have changed now that your teams are out of the playoffs. And you can talk about that. Okay. I mean, 
nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, but at the same time, yes, it's coming up on busy parts of the season because, yeah, baseball is starting to get into his uh uh, and maybe we should, before you dive into that, and you, how was your week? Because we always get new listeners. Yes. So for those of you who may be new to the show, and we're not going to say what Big Daddy does, but he does work with sports. I sit on the corner with a tin company monkey. <laughs> Doing something in some capacity involving sports. I do. Yes. Okay. Now go on. Yes. In Big case fan. they didn't know. <laughs> So basically, you know, I'm I'm the you know guy who walks behind you know, I don't know, Kevin Costner and Tin Cup, and you know, I'm basically bring the monkey. <laughs> but no, uh, pretty much, you know, it's, it's baseball, you know, basketball, which we'll talk about in a second. You know, there's USFL football going on too, which is crazy. Uh, of course, like I said, hockey and basketball are going into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, and golf. But, yeah, the biggest thing is, yeah, I also forgot that we're a week away from the Kentucky Derby. So, oh, wait. Really? Already? Yeah. The Kentucky Derby is, I think, a week away, a couple of days away by the time this comes out. Uh, so, yeah, it's starting. Oh, and the Indy 500, too. The Indy 500, yeah, at the end of this month. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a Hoosier girl. Let me talk about that. But anyway, anyway go ahead. Nonetheless, <laughs> uh I know the biggest thing that between the Goober and I that we talk about is, hey, you know, the playoffs are going on. And I think we're basically have completed our first round yes. of the playoffs. We're past the play in. <sighs> <laughs> we... I hate the play in idea. I'm sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. She's having a moment. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, first round of the playoffs has now com- concluded. And yeah, the. Moment of silence for my uh, hometown favorite, because I got to have a favorite. Uh, I grew up, you know, running with the Bulls. I am a big Chicago Bulls fan. And, of course, they ran to the bus. Uh, that was the reigning NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they lost in five games. It was not great. But at least we were there. We competed. We did what we had to do. And, hey, the playoffs are the playoffs. But, yeah, it was good to be in it. Yeah. Thank you for rubbing that in. Ha, ha, ha. My Pacers did not make it. I was not trying to intentionally <laughs> haze the goober. Yes, he was. <laughs> I wouldn't do that intentionally, at least not anymore. Ouch. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a dead horse. We almost got we, – we broke up a couple times in college because of that. Did I ever tell the audience how the first time we met, we got into an argument because the Pacers versus the Bulls? Because you insulted Reggie Miller. It was too easy. Anyway. Yes. We were still together. Lie about it. Yeah, during, we grew up in the 90s. <laughs> we went to college in the 90s. And, you know, that was the, that was the, yeah, during the, uh, the heyday of the Chicago Bulls and, you know, those championship runs. And the great epic fight between the Pacers and the Knicks. Yeah, that too. Whatever. Anyway, Positive. my Dallas Mavericks, my other favorite team, thanks to my love of Dirk Nowitzki and his legacy. Her obsession. It's not an obsession. 
Why are you so obsessed with him? I, well, I love. Know. I love Dirk Nowitzki because he's an incredible player. I'm obsessed with Tom Hiddleston. Get it, get it straight. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't keep up with you. <laughs> I can't run this. So anyway, let's keep moving on. <laughs> we don't have a talk off my, the mic again. My Dallas Mavericks are going. They're they've just made it through the playoffs for the first time in a long time. So I'm really proud of them. <laughs> Keep giggling. I'm sorry. That was not planned. <laughs> of course not. It was not planned. As she just, yeah, she's throwing like verbal javelins over here. But Okay, so your Dallas Mavericks. My Dallas Mavericks are making it, but let's, let's talk about... No, let's not. No, no, I'm not talking about that. We're not going to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> they, the Dallas Mavericks will now be competing against the Phoenix Suns. Yes. Um, Which I'm not too happy because Phoenix, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad to see, um, what's his name back? Oh, my God. His name Luca Downs? Yeah, Luca. I'm glad to see Luca back because Luca's amazing. Luca is an incredible athlete, but they might run into a problem with the Suns. But who are you going to cheer for now that your team is gone? Because I know we got into that conversation off mic about what happens when you watch the playoffs and you no longer have like a a rooting interest yeah. in like everybody. I mean, like yeah, if you don't have a dog in the fight, I mean the best answer I'm going to give everybody is I'm just going to root for good basketball and. I mean, I know, like, we watched uh, Memphis and Minnesota play last night, and that was tremendous, like, absolutely, like, off the top, like, astounding watching them. And, of course, you know, you're going to have more with Phoenix and Dallas, Milwaukee and Boston, um, Philadelphia, and hopefully, you know, prayers up for uh, Joel Embiid, you know, as he recovers. Um, So what happened with that? It seems like he was, he got a concussion, right? Got a concussion and uh, apparently injured his orbital bone. I believe that's in the ab, right? Yeah. Around the ass socket. Uh, so he's going to be out for a couple of weeks with that. We're going to see what, you know, it comes back from all the MRIs and, you know, tests that they do. Um, but he's going to be out for a little while and hopefully Philly will, you know, have the strength to like push forward because they're going to go up against a pretty, I, I believe, yeah, I, unless I'm wrong, that Philadelphia is going to be playing Miami, which is, they're really shrieking, and they're the number one seed in the East. So we're going to see what happens with Miami. But, yeah, I'm rooting for really good basketball. I want to say, oh, I forgot Golden State, of course, in Memphis. That's going to be astounding. I'm, I'm going to say there's going to be a lot of scoring in that one. I feel like Stephen A., but I don't have the talent. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm just going to root for good basketball. And and I know for listeners out there, um, again, we have an all-new listeners. This is the part where we talk about our week. And – Big Daddy and I, we both love sports, so this is actually a part of the conversation that we normally have, even when we're not on mic. Um, that's... I like sports. The goober <laughs> likes basketball. Look, I was born and raised in Indianapolis, okay? There's only two things that is in Indianapolis. There's basketball season, and then for the month of May, there's 500 season. We have football team. We have a hockey team. That's all nice and good. But make no mistake, we exist for two reasons sports-wise. 
basketball, women's basketball, women's pro basketball with our fever, men's pro basketball with our pacers, Hoosier hysteria, which is this whole monster um, basketball season tied to our high school system, college basketball, you name it. We're we're just kind of obsessive. Yeah, I'm you sure have, sports capital. You may have heard the saying that in 49 states, basketball is just a game in Indiana, meaning Indianapolis in the lower part because in Northwest Indiana, we're not considered Indiana, really. We're kind of like Illinois. But where I come from, it's kind of like an obsession. If you don't like basketball, they ship you to another state. Yeah, the region is pretty much <laughs> Indiana's little bastard kids, but, you know, we have enough talent to, like, you know, shake up the state. Right. So, yeah, I fully admit I'm obsessed. But let me ask you a question if we could maybe bring it up, because we had this incredible conversation after the Bulls went out about, again, who do you cheer for? Because you asked me first, right? Yes. And you were like, were there any other team? Like, say, for instance, the Mavs weren't in it. Was there any other team that I would feel close enough to watch? And I'm like you. I would, like, be with good basketball, right? If, that's why I can't be trusted with the NBA League Pass. Because one time, Big Daddy, early in our marriage, gifted me the NBA League Pass back when there wasn't a lot of choices and it was hella expensive. Now I think you compare it to what you want it to be. But he's like, yeah. But then he would come home and I'd be watching teams I don't even like because I'm, I love the game so much. Even if it's a crappy game with two teams I just care nothing about, I would just be watching because it's basketball, right? And that's how it was brought up. No, this one, I would come home from work some nights and <laughs> she would be like dead asleep on the couch and there would be like, I want to say like Sacramento and Portland. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, why are you watching Sacramento and Portland? And I'm like, because it's a good ass game and it's basketball. Okay. You just watch. But then I said, the only team that I would never, ever do that for is the Knicks. Because again, growing up in Indiana in the 90s, the epic, and you can, you can young people out there, y'all can Google it if you're not familiar. The fight between the Pacers and the Knicks were very real, right? To the point where, and I'm not the only one. If you can ask my family, there is no such thing as a good Nick. So, sorry, my our, our New York fans out there. We have quite a few New York listeners. <laughs> I'm going to piss y'all off. I cannot stand a Nick. Look, if your name is Patrick Ewing or John Starks, F you, okay? Okay. <laughs> I am not a fan. <laughs> I will never be a fan. I'm just not that person. And then you you dragged me for that. You're like, oh, that's petty. Yes. Until I brought up the fact that you feel the same way <laughs> because of the de- the <laughs> Detroit Pistons. Oh, hey. Oh. But not the whole team, mind you. No. It's, it's, yeah. it's the bad boy mm. here. Mm. Oh wait a minute! Hold on, I'm I'm getting oh I'm getting warmed up just just and, thinking about it. And it's not just like the people who played in that specific era of basketball. He was like, dude, the ball boy, the people who cheered for them. If you parked a car for the Pistons in the Palace back in the day, no, he sucked you. No, no, I'm, no. If you would like me to clear it up, I'm just. <laughs> Here's my clarification, my straight up 
delineation <laughs> my line. Okay. The story is this. All right. Detroit has good teams. They have the Tigers. Okay. You know, they have the Lions. They have the Red Wings. They have the Pistons. Okay. Okay. I'm Both. cool with all of them. I'm all right with all of them. I know it's like because the, between Chicago and Detroit, you know, whatever. Competition. But, you know, healthy. Okay. The Detroit Pistons, as they're currently built. <laughs> okay. Team affiliation. Great. You know, I'm, I'm cool with them. I'm cool with the Pistons as, you know, the current incarnation. Now, the Detroit Pistons that were of the late 80s and early 90s. <laughs> that particular era. That particular era. That little group. Anybody who... This is almost like like East Coast, West Coast, like Bad Boy and Death Row. Here's how it's going to go down. Anybody who worked for them. <laughs> yeah. If you worked with them, if you were a Piston Bad Boy, if you were the coach, you know, guy, rest his soul, Chuck Daly, great coach. At the yes. same time, you associate with the Pistons, the Bad Boys. If you were an assistant coach, if you were the Ball Boy, if you were a, a Detroit. Boy. I don't care if you were like working concessions there. <laughs> Yeah. I don't care. Like, they went on the court. Yeah, I don't care if you were parking cars <laughs> for the Pistons during the late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> if you associate with them, there's like a stench on you. Oh my there's god! There's a smell. There's a funk on you that I will just. I, I can't deal with you. I'm out. I, no, I, will, I will walk away from you. No, I will cross the street, and I will be like, no, I'm out. No, I'm look. done. I appreciate a good sports related petty like the like anybody. Okay? But even though I am not a fan of Dolan's or anyone that's with the Knicks, because I I admit y'all hurt our feelings the way that you treated us Pacer fan back in the day. For all of you in in the New York area, here we go. Don't don't think I didn't read those stories or see those stories where you call us hay seeds. Y'all went to the bone making fun of us. So, um, no, we don't like you. But here's the thing. I, I kind of draw the line at, like, the ball boy, okay? <laughs> if you're, like, a Knicks dancer, I'm okay with you. If you sold, if you was just trying to make a living and you sold those sorry um, New York-style pizzas, because I'm a Chicagoan, okay? I love me some Chicago pizza, and I know you make fun of it. But... There are different you, types of deep dish, but it's saying there were also different have, types of Chicago pizza. But anyway, right? If you had a concession stand, you know, I, I'm not upset with you. Okay, I am. My beef is not with you. My beef is or with is with the people who took the court. So basically, if <laughs> you see John, yeah, if you saw like Ewing and Starks and um, look Oakley uh, and some other folks in the street, you okay. have problems with them. Maybe not Charles Oakley, because I admit I like Charles Oakley. And Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson historically was Reggie Miller's best friend. So I will give him a pass. But seriously, John Starks on site. <laughs> I don't care if you're old. <laughs> I have family members that on site would have issue with you. <laughs> so I'm gonna need some bail money. <laughs> if it comes to me and Patrick Ewing. I don't care if you are a million feet taller than me. On site, bro. <laughs> so how do you feel about the current uh, men's basketball team, the Georgetown Hoyas? <clears throat> I have no beef with you. Okay. I See, and that's where it lies. See, I actually 
Bill Bradley? Um, why did I say Bill Bradley? You know who I'm talking about. Um, from the Bad Boys. Are we talking Bill Lambeer? Bill Lambeer. There's a big difference. Sorry, Bill Bradley. Bill Lambeer. I actually have come to respect Bill Lambeer because I saw a great interview with him on ESPN about 25 years ago where he was just having fun. He didn't think anything of it. And he's a wonderful WNBA coach. But yeah. Okay, Isaiah Thomas I have a little bit of fun with because he got rid of the CBA. But the rest of y'all have no beef with. Big Daddy, Big Daddy have me rolled on the floor because he's like, look, if you're a Make-A-Wish kid and your only desire was to meet Detroit Pitches from that era, he doesn't like you too because you should have made better choices. I like how you speak it for me, but yes. <laughs> if you were one of Bill Lambeer's kids... <laughs> I can't mess with you. Uh, you're out. No. You can't go up to the progeny. And that's what had me laughing, you guys. Because when he said that, I was like, oh, so you know when we were little kids, right? And we were like, screw your mama, your daddy, your whole generation. You really meant that about the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, if you came back and were reincarnated, <laughs> I still can't mess with you. If you come back as a butterfly, you'd be like, screw that butterfly. Yeah, I'm basically like, you know, I, can't I like how she's once again speaking for me. But yes, at the same time, like, yeah, you come said. back. I'm I'm taking you out as a caliber <laughs> or a moth or whatever. It is. Yeah, you're I, no, I can't I can't rock with bad boys. Oh, my God. Me and the you know, as we talk about, you know, the ESPN series uh, during the uh, the sorry, 30 for 30 series, the, the 30 for 30 series. Yes. Um, mm. The. Last Dance. Oh, my God. That basically expresses uh, my entire feeling about that era in the Bad Boys. That was real with me. <laughs> me, like my entire family, <laughs> is but has the same opinion of the Pistons. And I got family in Detroit. Hopefully, they're, they're listening. But they know how I, you know, how I don't mess with them. Oh, God. So, anyway... Now that I, I need to cool off, I need to go through a woosah, you know, meditation <laughs> to get this off. So now that we covered that, and I didn't mean to bring that up for you. Yeah, and I need to cool we didn't off. lose some listeners. So anyway, Goober, how if you can recover, week? how was your week? My week? <laughs> What's in your wallet? <laughs> What's in my wallet? Yes. Dr. Strange tickets. Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> The Marvel Blurred Speaks. Look, look, there was two things that was occupying my time since the last time we were on the mic, right? One was the playoffs, because, again, growing up, I love me some basketball. But the other thing is, <laughs> by the time this comes out on Tuesday, then we will only be a few days away from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Wait a minute. I think she has a clock somewhere in this house that has a countdown to, like, you know, when we sit in the movie theater and watch this. You know what's so bad? We fought my Mother's Day friends this past week, and we were talking about when's Mother's Day. And Big Daddy was like, yeah, it's May the 6th or May the 8th. I was like, oh, two days after Doctor Strange Day. That's true. <laughs> and he looked at me like, are you keeping track of time based on this movie? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's that big. Dude, let me tell you, because here's the thing. Cause, Here we go. Because <laughs> you know 
that okay. Story time. Backing up. <laughs> I've talked on this show about my love of comic books, right? I grew up reading comic books. I got my love of it from my father. My years ago when I was a little girl, um, my dad used to have a box of the most incredible comic books he kept preserved from his youth. I'm talking like he had the original detective comic that Batman first appeared in. He had um, an issue of the Fantastic Four, which had the first appearance of Black Panther before he had his own separate thing. Wow, I'm impressed. My dad had some of EC Comics and their original Tales from the Crypt because he liked that. My father has always been really interested in science fiction and fantasy. So one of his favorite characters was Doctor Strange. Now, I never liked Doctor Strange as a kid because I thought he was kind of a jerk. And he is kind of a jerk, but he's also a very intriguing character. So when in terms of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, when they introduced him, I reluctantly watched the movie because as I learned with the Ant-Man series, that was another one I didn't really care for. My comic books growing up was always like Captain America. It was always Spider-Man. It was always the X-Men, the Uncanny X-Men series. Um, and some of those things. Um, <coughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean Spray the cough. You know what I got from, you know, my parents? Actually, my mother. What's you know that? what my love of? What? The disdain of the bad boy Pistons. <laughs> That's where I that's where I got my love <laughs> of the haterade for the Pistons. So anyway, continue, <laughs> Doctor Strange. So anyway, this new movie that's coming out on Friday, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I bought tickets because one is <clears throat> a continuation of Spider Man No Way Home, which is such an incredible movie. That I finally got Big Daddy to watch. I'm so happy he did. Um, if for those of you who aren't familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's an interconnected world. They kind of recreate the interconnectedness of the comic books and how they jump in and out of each other's storylines. This is where and, this is about to become some Neil deGrasse Tyson type analysis. <laughs> hey, leave me alone. I know. I'm just that. That's the only reason I'm jumping in this. I'm explaining why I'm watching it because you've been pointing out like. Okay, why are we buying tickets like hella early? The movie isn't even out yet. And I'm trying to say, like, we have to, even though I'm not fond of the character, the character plays a role in this next iteration of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The next and, level. Right. So they have different phases. They're on phase four. And I've been really careful because they've integrated television shows and things like that. And I have seen everything even hawkeye which i'm not a fan of hawkeye either um although big daddy likes hawkeye because he's basic <laughs> Ooh, burn. i feel like i just got i think i just got patted on the head and dapped you did <laughs> oh man okay so anyway anyway i'm excited for the movie because one the movie is supposed to kind of tie in some of the other shows that have come out in phase four like one division that i think they're bringing back her character 
they're introducing another character whose comic book I've been reading. I really like um, America Chavez, Miss America. And Miss America? Yeah, that's the name of a character, Miss America. Oh, okay. I did not know that. <laughs> yes. And and they're going to finally, it looks like, introduce Dr. I'm um, not Dr. Um, Professor Xavier, which means it's a tie-in from the X-Men and bringing the X-Men into the universe. Oh, so they're going to be able to say the word mutant now. Yes, they're finally, I hope, are going to be able to say the word mutant without getting sued by 20th Century Fox, because now Disney owns 20th Century Fox. So the whole thing is supposed to be like this big movie geekdom moment. And it's just like, okay, even though I'm not a fan of Benedict Cumberbatch, and I'm not a fan of Doctor Strange, I will still bite the bullet and watch this movie, because it's supposed to be like geekdom explosion. (laughs) Why don't you like Benedict Cumberbatch? He's all right, I guess. I don't know why. It just I know he's like a I know he's like an act of you know, pretty good actor who's got a lot of awards, right? No, he's an excellent actor. It's just I can't put my finger on it. I've just never been a fan of his. Hmm. He's okay. okay. I'm shocked. Okay. <laughs> but all right, got my I mean he's a brilliant actor. It's just that I if you ask me why am I going to see Doctor Strange, it is not to see Benedict Cumberbatch. It is not for Doctor Strange. It is just to make sure that I do not miss what is going to be a monumental link in the cog of all the shows that I've spent the last up 24 months almost feeding into. So it's kind of like, you know, you originally weren't a big fan of the Ant-Man. Oh, I'm sorry. Ant-Man. Until you found out that it was the next little twist in the level it's somewhere in like level three right yeah the third phase on the connected everything <clears throat> i purposely skipped the ant-man movies because growing up i didn't like ant-man but as i found out i didn't write the original ant-man which was hank pym which the hank pym from the comic books when i was a kid was kind of an asshole but scott lane scott lane is great and i love him <laughs> so okay. now i love ant-man and i wouldn't miss it for a no- world and there's a new ant-man coming out but this year it's just like Marvel geekdom because I'm watching Moon Knight, which if you guys are not watching Moon Knight, please watch it. It's so very good. And here's something I just found out. If you do watch Moon Knight and you watch the last episode, episode five, which will be out by the time this is gone, look for a QR code. And if you scan the QR code, you'll get a free um Moon Knight comic book. So I got that the other day and read it. It was the first issue ever, which oh. was kind of badass. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, there's Moon Knight, um, Thor, Love and Thunder. There is Miss um, Marvel, which I cannot wait for the Miss Marvel comic book series. It's amazing. So they have a lot of great stuff coming out. Oh, wait a minute. Um, I thought there was supposed to be a Panther movie coming out, too. Oh, yeah. Black Panther. Oh, yeah. Well. That, I, I got it right. Now, that. that's the one you're excited about. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the only thing. Cause Big Daddy doesn't understand it. And whenever we go see the movie, you know, I told you we're buying tickets. We're going to an early fat matinee. And then you looked at me like, does this mean that I'm going to sit in the theater and look at you kind of confused? 
Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking. But, yeah. Um, I ride this. Sh- I'm slow. <laughs> We're just going to say that. Sorry that we've probably geeked out way more than I should, but that was kind of like a big part of my week, making sure we got tickets and we did. Yeah. So probably in a later episode, I'll be able to, when it's to a point where I'm not spoiling it for everyone, we may touch upon it again. Um, but between basketball and that, oh, oh my gosh. I almost forgot. What's that? The third thing that kind of occupied my time that I had to bring you in it. The sneakers thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> And, and, Should and, we bring that up? Oh, and, my God. And, 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 and I, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, how Delicately. We have, to, we have to talk about this delicately. So the Gourmet Goober podcast is hosted by two people who are happily married and we're grown. Okay. If you haven't guessed from some of our earlier conversation in this episode, we are two grown ass people. And I say that. Because it's kind of impossible, even though we are married and we're grown and everything. If you've listened to other episodes, you know that we try to keep it light because we never know who's listening to us. Right. And we want to be respectful of that. Yeah. You know, we don't drop a lot of F-bombs. I mean, we do. But, it's you know, we, we try to not cover themes that might be a little questionable. Yeah. <laughs> So that in mind, this next story. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> it's a little questionable because <laughs> it is um it is about Snickers bars. And basically, in a nutshell, if you haven't been on Twitter, on April 16th, there was somebody that by the name of at Juniper, who decided to make fun of um, Tucker Carlson's complaint about M&M's trying to get their animated characters, I don't know, to be more respectful, more in the 2022 range, right? Because he's, he's like straight up 3,000 in the late. Yes, <laughs> definitely that. So he was complaining that M&M's were making their animated, fake, talking Eminem's woke, right? So as a response, she tweeted a fake story that says Snickers are officially caving at removing the world-renowned Dick Vane from the candy bar. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just read it what it said, okay? Let me clear my throat. (laughs) So, someone not realizing that this is a parody account who regularly tweets fake stuff. There are some people who took that as real. And it started um, this this avalanche of people being in their feelings over the fact that now the woke police has removed veins from (laughs) the snicker bar, right? To the point where then someone posted on April 19th an actual picture of a Snickers bar that has been adjusted. Like, it's been altered. And it looks smooth. Okay. So, then, Snickers, on April 19th, decide they've had it enough. 
So Snickers actually tweeted. <laughs> I can't believe I'm reading this. Okay. Good news. Contrary to what's trending on Twitter, the veins remain. <laughs> so then other brands started tweeting them back and it becomes like a lewd thing with candy. So like Twix responded to Snickers, whew, that was a close call. And Snickers is like, waiting for the day you show yours off. Eminem's <laughs> jumped in and said, maybe this should have stayed in the drafts. And Snickers is like, shh. And then, oh my God, Flushlight said, okay, I like it, Picasso. Okay. <laughs> People were starting to tweet pictures of like Snickers, like holding on to it like it's, uh, like uh, it's uh, yeah. a piece of male anatomy. <laughs> like, dude, we're adults. They're holding on to it like it's a penis. Okay. <laughs> the male and the Corsican. Pizza Hut responded the way we ran to the replies. To which Snickers responded, glad you can come where the nuts reside. Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm just like dying. And, and I'm horrified. <laughs> and then... And then I had a moment where, like, am I the only one who didn't, like, ever look at a Snickers bar and think this? No. <laughs> you are not the only one. I have never looked at a Snickers bar and had the thoughts about what's on top of it. I, I just don't think it that way. But apparently enough people did that Snickers decided to fit in. <laughs> so, and with that... <laughs> Snickers bar? You did not get a Snickers bar. Where were you hiding that? It just happened to be, you know, something I picked up a week ago from the store. (laughs) Which is ironic. I never looked at the like the front of the the candy bar wrapper. And And it said satisfies. It says satisfies, and I'm thinking, (laughs) is is somebody trying to tell me something? I think this is the dirtiest thing we've ever talked about on the show. So Big Daddy, are you happy that the veins remain? <laughs> you want to know what I think at this very moment? <laughs> I bought a Snickers bar, and now I don't know what to do with it. As a matter of fact, I don't think you need to know what to do with it either. You know what? Live on the air. I'm just going to confirm. You're listening to it right now, folks. Yes, it is, in fact, veiny. <laughs> <laughs> am, am, am I gonna watch you uh, partake of this? Wait a minute. Do I need? Wait a minute. Do we? Do I need to like you know lean back in my chair a little bit and watch this? I'm gonna call him Tom. <laughs> then you are gonna need a white snake, <laughs> and you also might need a smaller one. <laughs> Oh God! Okay. Wait a minute. Is there a Snickers Mini? Stop it! I need a moment. <laughs> you need a definitely, yeah, definitely a paler one. <laughs> oh my God! I'm so sorry. If this ever gets to him, I would. Uh, first of all, I am not. 
I'm a very happily married woman. That's right. <laughs> very happily married woman. <laughs> that said, when I tell y'all that that story gave me such joy, and to see the multiple faces Big Daddy had every time I read a response, that that just gave me life. <laughs> Yo, uh, Jill Scott. What's going on with you in that, that Snickers bar right now? Oh, damn. <laughs> so anyway, um... On that note, maybe we should take a break. It's a little warm up in here. Maybe we should take a break. <laughs> and when we return, we have three incredible stories that... Sorry, we have three stories that cross the intersection... Of food and pop, and pop culture. culture. Including one story that is fresh off the presses. Like literally fresh off the presses. Like that you guys will not believe. Um, so you're listening to the gourmet goober. We'll be right back. Hey Stevie J, hit me hit me up, bro. <laughs> This is JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober. In our next segment, we will be taking a moment to honor the life of singer Naomi Judd, who unfortunately lost her battle with mental illness earlier this week. As a reminder, mental health conditions such as depression or anxiety are real, common, and treatable, and recovery is possible. So if you or someone that you know is in crisis right now or is dealing with suicide ideation, there is help please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. You can also reach the crisis text line by texting HELLO to 741-741. Both services are free and they are available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. All calls are confidential. And if you are concerned about a friend's social media updates, please contact the social media outlets directly or dial 911. This message has been brought to you by the Gourmet Goober Podcast and Plum Good Media. Hey everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. And T Outlaw. And we are back with the second segment of the Gourmet Goober Podcast, where we focus on the Three stories that, <laughs> sorry, let's try that again. We focus on three stories that cover the intersection of food and pop culture. Um, Howard, before we start our segment, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge something that, again, um, this is going to be a show that we'll be able to cover a couple of stories just as it got off the press. Although, to be fair, by the time it gets to you, maybe it'll be a couple of days old. Um, and that is, I just found out about the passing of senior Naomi Judd. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. She's 76 years old. Um, for those of you who may not know Naomi, she and her daughter Winona for many, many years in the 80s and 90s held the group that was called the Judds. It was a mother-daughter singing group. She is also, if you're a fan of actress Ashley Judd, um, either for her incredible advocacy work or some of her earlier acting career as well. Um, she um, is Ashley's mother also. 
Um, the Judds, they actually scored over 14 number one songs and the career that actually spans nearly three decades. Um, and this was something that was unexpected. Um, it doesn't sound like, um, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. This, this was something that was unexpected. They had literally just announced a world tour, um, just kind of saying goodbye to their fans. They performed earlier, like a few weeks ago at the CMT Music Awards early in the month. Um, and I'll, I'll start off by admitting that I am not the greatest country music fan. That said, there are certain things that I grew up listening in my, ch- in my household because my mother did like country music. I don't want to talk too much about it because again, my mother is a very private person. And so I know she doesn't like us to mention her on the podcast. That said, yep. mom has introduced me to acts like Dolly Parton when I was growing up and Kenny Rogers and Naomi and um, Winona Judd, the Judds. Every time they were on Oprah, Oprah loved them, having them on. She always watched. So I was familiar with a lot of their music. One of my, their songs is one of my favorite called Love Can Build a Bridge. Um, so unfortunately, it sounds as though Naomi had struggled from mental illness. Um, and it sounds like that was related to her passing. This, um, the sisters Winona and Ashley released a statement that I'm just going to read that they said, today we sisters experienced a tragedy. We lost our beautiful mother to the disease and mental illness. We're shattered. We're navigating profound grief and know that as we loved her, she was loved by our public. We're in unknown territory. Um, she was said to died near Nashville, Tennessee, and there are no further details about her life um, or her passing, rather. The thing is, this Sunday, we're recording this on a Saturday evening. Tomorrow, like this Sunday, she was actually supposed to be inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, along with her daughter, um, the Jets. So again, she's always been very open about her life struggles and her struggles with anxiety and depression. Um, she was an extraordinary artist and whether or not you like country music, you know, she and her daughter definitely made a mark, um, in the world of music period. And my heart just goes out to them. And I just hope that, you know, they get peace from this at this time, but. Yeah, they, she literally is going, I guess, according to something I just read, they're still planning to induct her to the Hall of Fame tomorrow. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, that's just, that's just very hard to even, you know, fathom this. This is almost, I mean, like I said, I don't have a great reference to work from in other than like seeing Naomi Judd. I, I literally saw her like a, at least her, on television, like within the last two weeks, um, promoting, I guess, the tour right. with Winona. But um, yeah, it should really continue. Yeah, the process of inducting her and Winona into the Country Music Hall of Fame. And I don't know, this kind of reminds me of like, uh, wasn't it like Whitney Houston who died right before? The day before, like, the Grammys or yeah. American Music Awards or something like that. It was before, I forget which one, but, 
Yeah, very, very tragic. Um, and like I said, I grew up listening to all kinds of music from country to EDM. Well, back in the day, it was called techno. <laughs> mm. um, and everything in between. Um, so I, I have a profound appreciation for the Judds um, and their early work. Again, Mama, she, Mama, He's Crazy and Love Could Build a Bridge. So, um, yeah, just thinking of them tonight and just sending peace and love to wherever they are right now because that's a horrible thing. And Many condolences. Many condolences um, because the illness, the disease of mental illness can really affect anyone. Um, just as a side note, and then we'll be able to move on. If anyone's listening to this, um, obviously, who struggles with mental illness or, you know, ideation of any type, um, I do want to just say that, you know, there's help out there. Um, certainly, I'm a big advocate in therapy. Um, and I am too. I, we will put in our show notes... Um, I, I think it's appropriate since we mentioned that and without going into any details and I don't want to say anything, but it sounds like this might've been a situation where, you know, it was caused by self-harm. Allegedly. So, allegedly. So if anyone's listening and they need help with that, we're going to put in the show notes, the number to the hotline. So we encourage you to either keep it for yourself or share it for a friend. Um, but, you know, it's important to normalize that mental illness is a disease and we should look at it that way. No different than like, you know, breast cancer or, you know, heart issues or things like that. Yeah, I want to. I'm not 100% sure, but is this we're literally like leaving? I, I want to say the mental health month. You know, I think it is actually. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Um. Again, my heart goes out to them because no one should lose a loved one that way. No. Um, so we're going to make a quick transition and talk about the three stories that of that cross that divide between food and pop culture. This is a barn burner. And this first story, oh my God. Okay, just to kind of give you guys an idea. Even though a lot of what happens on camera is unscripted, i.e., the I shall name it Tom. <laughs> Big Daddy was not expecting that. All right? The look on his nope. face. Not expecting that. <laughs> but <clears throat> we do meet every episode and we have production meetings and we keep track of each other. So by the time that we go on the mic, we have a pretty good idea of what we're going to talk about. <clears throat> we had everything worked out. I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice. We had everything worked out, and right before we were about to jump on the mic, we saw this story, and it blew everything up. <clears throat> because believe me when I tell you, this is going to be something that everybody's going to be talking about, and because it is freaking wild. It's a story that is hitting Vanity Fair magazine, okay? And they posted it online this weekend. So for those of us who really love food culture and really follow chefs and, you know, things like that. One of 
the avenues by which we really... I know for me, I started watching cooking shows when I was very young. So PBS, they had a lot of cooking um, shows like, you know, Ming and um, Liddy and just, you know, Julia Child. So public broadcasting was a way to go for a lot of these people. And then the advent for Food Network, where they literally turn into celebrities, people like Emeril Lagasse and a gentleman in the early days of Food Network that you may know the name, David um, Ruggiero. So just to give you an idea, he was, by the time he was 30, he had, he was very well known as far as having cooked in kitchens at some of the finest French restaurants in the early 90s in New York City. Um, La Chantilly is one of the maxims, one that was very well known. Um, he himself made a name for himself because he started off as a Brooklyn boxer and he became a chef. Um, Ruggiero, at his height, he cooked for presidents like um, Nixon and Carter and Reagan and the last dude. <laughs> he who shall not be named. Um, he's cooked for Martha Stewart, um, he, the Prince Albert of Monaco. He was actually named as one of the top 13 chefs in the nation. That's how big this dude is, okay? And the New York Times food critic, Brian Miller, twice awarded his restaurant three stars, right? And the New York Magazine's Gail Green said his La Chantilly was a miracle in 57th Street. So at his height, he had all of this acclaim, right? He had a TV PBS series called Little Italy with David Ruggiero, which was really popular. And then in the early days of the Food Network, alongside Emeril Lagasse, he actually got his own primetime show, which is called Ruggiero to Go. And I think I remember seeing that, right? Okay. So, all of this fame and fortune, right? So, what happened was... Um, he was busted. Like, he lost everything. Um, and just taking a step back, Thursday, July 2nd, 1998, the police entered one of his restaurants. They were looking with a search warrant, and they accused him of defrauding a credit card company of $190,000. And he did that by inflating diners' tips. Now, at first, he denied he denied it. He eventually acknowledged it, and he wound up getting like, what was it? Like he had to pay back restitution. He had five hours of community service. He was on probation, the whole nine yards, and he lost everything. So Vanity Fair decided to come back and revisit him. And this is what they found out, which is so freaking just like literally crazy. crazy. Big Daddy and I were like mouths wide open. So we started with like... That's David Ruggiero is not his original name. No. David Ruggiero is an invention, according to Vanity Fair. According to his baptismal certificate, he was born Sabatino Antonino Gambino. That's right, people. This guy 
who is probably one of the most celebrated chefs in all of America, not the world, was actually a member of the Gambino crime family. <laughs> oh my God. Bing, bing. Yes. Like, Bada bing. Literally something out of Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> so get this. So his father was Savio Erasimo Gambino. He was a cousin of the notorious Carlo Ben Gambino, who if you've ever read anything and, you know, when I was younger, I had like this period where I was like into reading about gangsters. So like Don Dillinger, John Dillinger and, you know, Capone, Capone, my favorite movie, everyone knows my favorite movie is The Untouchables, which is this credible story of how they took down Al Capone, right? Yeah. So the Gambino crime family, when it came to light how notoriously awful they were, it was like everywhere once upon a time. Remember, it was like on 60 Minutes yeah, and all of this stuff, right? So he was part of that. In the 80s, according to this article, and it, dude, you guys have to read this article. It's just insane. So he joins a Brooklyn crew back in the day. Um, he said his mob resume while he was doing all of, he was being one of the top chefs in the world included heroin dealing, truck jacking, loan sharking, bookmarking, extortion, and he ex- admitted he participated in several notorious gangland murders. And a lot of his restaurant supply contracts they were all tied to mob-connected vendors. <clears throat> right? <laughs> Starting to make me sweat a little bit. <laughs> so first of all, this story breaks down everything. Like, how he got started, how he ran this insane double life. Um, he, his restaurant, and some of his high notes about how Everybody um, basically came to his restaurant, some who knew his mob ties. And then how this crazy mistake, well, it wasn't a mistake. It was something he did. Well, he claims he didn't. So let me just say, <laughs> we're going to do a decent and marrow. Sprinkle some allegedly on this yeah, story. Allegedly. Yes, allegedly. Yes. <laughs> All over the place. Because as Big Daddy and I were talking about, do we cover this story? At one point, Big Daddy turns to me and goes, is it safe to talk about it? Or are we going to wind up with a pair of cement Nikes? Yeah, because I got some regular Nikes. But no, I, don't want, like, I don't talk ill about people that, you know, could be knocking on my door and or. Yeah. <clears throat> but at that, same time. But that said, he's the one who came clean the Vanity Fair, right? So ultimately, this is something he did. But okay, first of all, I, I gotta get your thoughts on this because we literally just found this out and read the article. Within and I'll the put, last hour or so. Yeah, I'll put the link to the article in the show notes. Dude, first of all, just the cojones. <laughs> to be like what if like a huge gangland. Association. Like a, a main man, so to speak, and then just leave and just run a restaurant. Like, run five. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, how does that, how does that work? How, how mentally do you make that transition? 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, I we, we got to know that, you know, people of, you know, certain repute, they have, they like to eat. They like, you know, they, they can't have crappy food. You can't just go to Burger King and, like, run it. You know, you got to have good food. One. Two, I, in my mind, think that some of these uh, accolades and or, you know, some of those stars were earned maybe possibly by core, uh, by some persuasion. You know, I would like to believe, because I've never had any of the, you know, his foods. I'm sure is excellent. At the same time, I'm not going to talk ill about him because he might be, you know, trying to persuade me at some point. So I'm going to, you know, not talk funny. But yeah, this is crazy. Bananas. I mean, I guess, I guess in my mind as I thought about it, like in the last hour, I was thinking, you know, if you really think about it, I want to say like one tenth. Of all the restaurants in America and possibly in certain other countries, may have gotten their start with the help of some bankrolling. And you know what? It's funny you say that because one of the things in the article that really got me was obviously the author was incredulous, right? Like, dude, how the hell do you do this, right? Mm-hmm. So one way Ruggiero rationalized his lawlessness according to the article, was that the hospitality industry was not exactly a bastion of upstanding behavior. He goes on to say, there are more thieves and deviants in the restaurant business than there are Ron's guys in the street. Yeah. <gasps> oh, snap. So, yeah. I, I, I truly believe that. I would really have somebody like, I, I don't 100% trust you know, Rachel Ray nor Martha Stewart and their beginnings. And we don't know what they're involved in. But at the same time, that's allegedly I, I I'm not saying anything ill. But at the same time, yeah, I I truly believe that. But at the same time, yes, this is just amazing that he was this involved in I guess my question is, why Vanity Fair and why now? Well, okay. Now part of the reason why he's coming clean my understanding is it sounds like he's trying to maybe get back into the restaurant business. Um, but sadly, there's another side to this that um, during the conversation, he had mentioned that he was motivated by feelings of guilt and betrayal um, because in 2014, his son, um, he had a 27-year-old son who the article describes as an aspiring gangster, died from an apparent drug overdose, which he felt irresponsible. And then he was upset when his crime individual, Gambino Capo, the guy that was over him and ran his crew, didn't show up at the funeral. Now, to be fair, it sounds like he was under house arrest, but Ruggiero insisted that... um he could have mentioned it to the parole officer and he could have made it to the wake for whatever reason. He feels sorry that he did it. Um, rather as for his own personal reason, I, I can't, I can't speak to that. Okay. Um, I am sorry to hear about his son though, even though it sounds like his son looked to be in the business. Um, so who knows how far that went, but part of what I was thinking about, is two things, right? One is the fact that 
if he was truly involved with some of these awful things, I mean, could he be at risk of, like, does the stature limitations goes out? <laughs> and then I... secondly, I mean, this is a man at one time, like, I, I cannot say how big this man was. Like, at one point, I, I know that I have seen his cookbooks when I was younger in, like, Barnes & Nobles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a man who is pow- probably, at one time, one of the most powerful chefs in America. He was actually named one of the 13 best young chefs in 1995. Okay, I can believe that. I mean... He had multiple cookbooks. He had five restaurants and over 650 people working under him. Like, how, why would you risk it all for a credit card scheme? Okay. Because you know he probably had way more than the 190000 that he, you know, he took, right? Yeah. Did he want to get caught? I don't know if he wanted to get caught. I'm starting to wonder if maybe uh, there might have been another association with someone else that might have been doing some might have been doing some work with them under the precipice of. Um, we're thinking that he might have been covering for somebody else. I'm, that's my opinion, and, and that could be opinion. it because the article. And I don't want to give too much weight again. Read the article. I'll put the link in. He he still insists I didn't do the credit card time. Yeah. He said, however, there was enough evidence that his lawyer told him to take a deal. And so he pleaded guilty to attempted grand larceny. All I know is two things. One. He's not a snitch. Well. <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I'm laughing because. You and I, one of the things we love to watch is Deezus and Meryl on Thursday nights, right? And didn't they just have like a a sketch about people who... Yeah, a doctor who will... A uh, doctor who fixes you up if you are a snitch. Or, shoot, yeah, you've been through some things. Been through some things that are mob-related. Yeah. So I wonder if he's going to need to visit that doctor after we're done. Because he apparently told all. That we know of. That we know of. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. It's pretty yeah. allegedly. Hopefully it's not true. <laughs> like, throughout this article, I don't see any, like, major naming of names. He, you know, he probably more implicates himself, not so much other members and or people of association. But I, once again, not a snitch. I just wonder, though, I mean... That just throws everybody off. I mean, you never know who you're looking at on TV. And to be fair, people like Anthony Bourdain, although I'm not saying he's anywhere close to this guy, but in his Kitchen Confidential book, he very famously said as well that there is some shady stuff going on in behind the scenes in the restaurant industry. Plus, we all heard of people like, for example, Mario Patali and his downfall related to just the horrible way that he treated his female staff. So I'm not trying to say that everyone's angels, but I don't know anyone who's like a straight out murderer, like he admits himself. 
So do you think he could go back now that all of this is out in the open? Like, could he ever go back in industry? Because here's the thing. There's a certain amount of notoriety notoriety that he has now that he could probably parlay into that. I don't know if I could go to a restaurant knowingly knowing it's run by someone from the Campino family. Like, you don't invite that person to cook to you on TBS this morning. Nah. <laughs> no, actually, you bring up a very interesting point. <laughs> How do you parlay that? Where do you go? I don't know, but at the same time, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, some publicity is good publicity. Is this good publicity? Like, I don't know. Would you buy a cookbook from someone that you know might have committed some horrible things. But no, if if he's as good as he says he is, <laughs> I might I might come visit. There are other people to learn how to make a beef bouvillon, okay? You don't have to go to him. At the same time, yeah, am, am I going to wear a bulletproof vest if I'm in this restaurant? I don't know. But I might come visit. I might, you know, they might give me some good bread. I might have, you know, some linguine. <laughs> I'm not going to try to, like, make any stereotypical jokes, but at the same time, maybe the food's cooked. We don't know. Well, here's the thing. Big Daddy, you know that I am a Francophile when it comes to French cooking. Mm-hmm. You, you know my coca vin is one of, when I make it, it's one of the favorite things that I I make for you. Yes. And that's a French recipe and stuff like that. It's my dream to go to France one day and just study cooking for a week. That said, I, I think I might just dip out on hanging out with Dave, uh, Mr. Ruggiero. <laughs> we're going to talk about his wine sauce. We'll talk. <laughs> so, again, if you guys want to read the article, definitely recommend you do. It's an incredible weed. It's one that, quite frankly, I can't believe it's real. 100% real. And, Yeah. You can learn how one of the most celebrated chefs in the world was a made man. <laughs> yeah. So with that in mind, let's shift gears. <laughs> let's talk the tone a little bit. Yeah, that whole cement Nike thing. It's that place uh, in the background. Hold on. <laughs> Let me make sure there's nobody creeping. <laughs> so our next story is 180 degree change there's no way to transition between what we just talked about what we're going to talk about so i'm just gonna go and (laughs) hopefully this will cleanse your palate but this is a story about cereal cereal and orange juice more importantly cereal that's made to be eaten with orange juice instead of milk really yes all right (laughs) so tropicana next week will be given away boxes of their limited run granola based cereal um, that is intended to be paired not with milk as the classic combination goes but with orange juice huh (laughs) i'll let that sink in so beginning on may the 4th you can go to a website that's called tropicanacrunch.com and you will be able to get what is touted as the first ever breakfast cereal created to pair with Tropicana Pure Premium. So you can sip your sunshine and eat it too. So it's made just for 
with OJ, not with milk, in case you're wondering what it tastes like. Tropicana Crunch is described as a honey almond cereal, and the website explained it contains honey almond clusters. So it's made like granola, but because it's granola, specifically they chose that because the granola can withstand the acidity that naturally occurs in orange juice. Better than things like flakes or oils or any other um, shape, right? Okay. And because, and the reason rather for the honey almond flavor, it was chosen because it balances against the tartness of the orange juice. And it comes with a paper slipping straw. So well, instead of... Pa- it comes with a straw. Yes, because you know how you eat cereal and like you eat like, I don't know, like tricks or something and you have like the flavored milk at the bottom. That's the best part. Yeah, well, you would have the OJ at the bottom, so you would have the straw for that. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> I I concur. Interesting, but I'm not a big orange juice person, so I don't know. I'm still trying to put put that together in my brain. So, just so you know, Tropicana, like many food brands now, they have also done crazy things in the past in order to get your attention. So, you may recall last year, they released Tropicana Toothpaste, which was a limited-run giveaway of toothpaste designed to not make your orange juice taste bad after brushing your teeth. Which, I gotta say, that's not such a bad idea, actually. If bad. you've ever had the ear fortune of drinking orange juice after brushing your teeth, that is like a, a segment of hell that I rather avoid, like to avoid. That is very weird. <laughs> so, again, this is not going to be available in your grocery store. They're giving away boxes for free and it's why supply while supplies last rather so you're, it sounds like you're not so eager to kind of dive into this particular cereal no i won't say that okay i'm not i mean i have i drink orange juice on the you know just for health but you know since it's got a lot of sugar in it you know even the you know reduced sugar brands is you know still sugar Induced, but I guess so is milk. But I, you know what? I'm not a big granola fan either. But I would, I would try it once just to see the novelty of it and see how the the different notes would come together. So yeah, I would consider trying it once. But I don't know if I would be a regular customer if they move forward and put this into production. Here's the thing, and that's a good thing. I know a lot of people. <clears throat> don't necessarily drink orange juice because of the sugar factor. So this would be something I imagine has a very limited audience, right? No, I wouldn't say that. But it's like, I mean, I'd be willing to say, yeah, because of the sugar content, it may not be as easy, but, you know, because Tropicana and or like most orange juice, I would say, you know, it's the vitamin D or vitamin C that is beneficial to you. That, you know, it part of it's also granola, so you won't have like a lot of, you know, with other brands having the sugary cereal type flavor. I don't know. There would be a segment of the population because, you know, you're used to the combination of milk and cereal that you you, you run out of milk from time to time. And you're just like, 
I wonder what else I can, you know, pair with this cereal that would help me. Hmm. And not a lot of cereal would stand up to it. You know, you can't really put Jack in your cereal. You know, sometimes when, like, you know... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You mean Jack is in Jack Daniels? I met some people in college that did that. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Okay, that is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Trust and me. this is someone who once for a class project, remember, in my advertising class, which I still think was genius, was... We were supposed to come up with, remember, we were supposed to come up with a product target towards college students. And I came up with Jolt cereal, which I think is brilliant, where it has three times the calorie, sugar, and fat, where it just wakes you up. Like, you don't care about that. You just want to wake. Yeah. It's like cereal with caffeine. And the teacher gave me a C because he said no one would buy that. But today, today, people would buy it. He didn't have the vision. Yeah, your vision was definitely well <laughs> well in front of others. You were an innovator. I was just mad because that was the only C I got this semester. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, like aside from, you know, as you say, people who would put random stuff in their, <clears throat> in their cereal at, you know, as opposed to milk. And, you know, those unfortunate people that have had those struggle meals where. It's oh, like cereal and water. Yeah, they have to like dilute with water and or evaporate milk. I'm still having flashbacks. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I find that would be interesting. Well, you know what? I would probably try it myself. And tell you what, if any of the listeners have the chance to snag their hand on a, on one of the cereal, please email us or let us know in the show how you like it. We would definitely share it with everyone else. Because it, it sounds like it's, you know, it sounds crazy, but I would probably still do it. I would. I would probably still. I would probably try it. Okay. Just to say you would. <laughs> yeah, definitely email or tweet us and see what, yeah, if you, and see how it, how it tastes it. Yes. So we're going to wrap things up with a story that leans itself towards um, a legal issue, but not too much like our first story. So, yeah. again, <laughs> This is actually something that Big Daddy just told me right before we jumped on camera. But I thought it was kind of, or Mike rather, but I thought it was kind of interesting to talk about. And it is about a lawsuit, of all things, Country Time. Lemonade, lemonade. Yes, Country Time Lemonade. So that old favorite, um, if you guys haven't had it, it's a powdered lemonade that you can get in any grocery store. Um, it's a class action lawsuit that was actually filed earlier um, this week where plaintiffs are saying that <laughs> they're actually being the local plaintiff, Demarcus Rogers, um, <laughs> it's suing country time because th the container is supposed to make eight quarts of lemonade. And according to Demarcus, it only makes a mere six quarts of lemonade. So the filing itself doesn't delve into how he came to this conclusion, right? But according to foodandwine.com, the plane began noticing that the lemonade and the pink lemonade tasted diluted. So plaintiff later further noticed that when measuring the powdered drink mix, 
he was only able to measure six quarts worth of powder drink instead of the usual eight quarts per canister that's advertised. The suit explains that for the quantity for a quarter more, customers are supposed to use the canister lid as a measuring cup, meaning Country Chime not only controls the amount of powder, but also how it's measured. But it goes a little further because the story explains that the mouth is a little fuzzy, according to Punchy Chime's own website. So the canister makes about 21 servings, right? Yeah. And so each serving should come out to about 12 fluid ounces. But if you do the math, that only gets you to 7.85 quarts. So by their own estimation, it's not exactly eight quarts, right? Yeah. And then it it also says add more or less to taste. So it's not an exact science, obviously. It's not like they sit and weigh it, you know, on a scale. But this lawsuit brings a lot of things to mind. One, I think this is something that's a little crazy to sue them for. Because by their, but by their own acknowledgement, you're not going to get eight quotes. You're going to get 7.875 quotes to be exact. That's right. So just under eight. But on the other hand, it depends on how you measure it. Because as I was explaining to you, like when you bake, for example, when you bake and you use anything dry ingredients, they tell you there's a certain way that you have to measure it. So is it like a heaping capful? Is it a leveled off and packed capful? Because all of that could determine how much you get left behind. Yeah, plus some of that shifts during shipping. Right. So if, for example, you use a a heaping capful, over time, yeah, you're going to get less than the eight quarts. Right. That is true. But this leads to a larger question, because obviously there have been other lawsuits that have been out this way. Like you and I were talking, like the Subway lawsuit where someone actually sued Subway because their foot long was not exactly a foot long. Subway has had a lot of lawsuits. <laughs> but yeah, that was one of the bigger ones. And and thinking about... I mean, do you think that they have a case in this? And then who actually... I mean, I don't know about you. I've never gone to Subway with like a measuring tape and said, dude, let me see that before you, you serve it to me. You just assumed that it's a foot long, right? Yeah, at the beginning, we assumed it was foot long. We also assumed there was meat and there was bread and fish. But oh, Okay, yeah. yeah. We, we actually thought that was chicken. Yeah. <laughs> we actually thought it was chicken. There's a reason why I don't eat it Subway anymore. Right. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, please Google it. Also, I think we have... An episode literally is like, is this tuna? Yeah. <laughs> Where we talk about how Subway may not be serving you tuna, just saying. Exactly. <laughs> but at the same time with, I mean, with the Subway one, I can, I understand a little bit because Lord knows you, you know, I know that bread kind of fluctuates because, it's, you know, whatever they cook it in at Subway, that one of those little pans May not always come out to be like exactly twelve inches, but you, I can understand a little bit because you know sometimes they'll just be serving you like eleven inch subs, and you'll be like, "Wait a minute, this definitely does not fit like a foot long one," because you can 
kind of eyeball it a little bit. But with these, you know, these Country Time lemonade containers, you just never know. And trust me, we as people have grown up doing all kind of jacked up measurements. <laughs> well, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, you know, the whole idea of, especially with Kool-Aid in Country Time, <laughs> Big Daddy and I are kind of commits when it comes to that. <laughs> Yeah, we've done all, <laughs> not just us, but a whole lot of kids have done a lot of interesting things with uh, their, I guess their science of like, you know, making oh. uh, lemonade, punch, juice, you know, grape drink, <laughs> all kind of things have gone on that may have lent itself to asking, is this really all of, you know, exactly what is in the you know in the container you know because it's dry powder and you're basically putting it in i guess like x amount of, let's say eight quarts of water so over the time you never know like what you're gonna get i hate to interrupt our discussion but where's the cat where's the cat yeah because braxton's right here the doggy producer <laughs> yes and i hear the cat are they both under the table and I'm sorry to interrupt this. This was not planned, okay? One of the things, and maybe we should have talked about it earlier, the weird thing that happened this week. <clears throat> For longtime listeners, you know, we have Braxton, our doggy producer, right? Um, and then we have two cats, Bit Bit and Jelly Bean. Fat Loki and Fat Elvis. Fat Loki and Fat Elvis, as we call them. Or Fat them. Thor and Fat Loki. <laughs> so anyway... They have generally not interacted with each other at all. If they're not fighting, I say let them alone. <laughs> okay. I have found, uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll say Fat Loki. Fat Loki. Fat he has been located. <laughs> so, they have generally ignored each other for the past year and a half that Braxton has been a part of our lives. Until this week. I don't know what happened, but... Jelly Bean and Bit Bit just woke up and chose violence. <laughs> and they just decided, you know what? We're no longer hiding from the dog. We're just in plain sight. <laughs> so they have come out and taunted the dog. They've laid in front of the dog. They've laid where the dog usually sleeps. <laughs> and let me just say... And if the dog has, you know, decided to interact and or jump on them, they have decided to lay hands on the dog. Right. Or paw. Let me just say, though, and, and, and correcting that, not correcting, but just further explaining it. Because our dog is just a big meathead. He just wants to play with them. But he's confused. He, I actually don't think he knows how many cats live with us. Because he constantly, whenever the cats leave a room, He's still spinning around looking for other cats, if though our house seems to sprout little rootland creatures of some kind. But <laughs> he just, so whenever they taunt him, he just approaches them and his tail is wagging and he wants to play. And they're having none of that. They're basically thunking him every chance they get. So as Big Daddy was talking, the cat runs under the table and then the dog doggy producer chases them after him. And it's either 
been one of two things in their interaction this week. It's been one where they just peacefully sit across from each other and coexist. Or it could be that the cat just gets tired and pimp slaps him. And then the dog takes off running. And because I wasn't sure what was going to happen and which interaction was waiting, awaiting us under the table where we're recording, <laughs> I decided to stop in case we need to intervene. Life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> that said, it seems like they've chosen peace. So now he's sleeping on top of my foot, as he's wont to do. For the moment. Yes. So anyway, let me just ask, do you think this is a frivolous lawsuit? I'm sorry? Do you think it's a frivolous lawsuit? Anything that we go through, if you're, I guess you're angry enough, it could be taken as frivolous. Or, yeah, it could be legit, but... I guess it depends on like, oh yeah, you're mad about is you know an overcorrection and they're giving you less but making you pay more or the same. And I know you want you know the quote unquote like you know justice of it, but at the same time, what's the amount that they're suing for? You know, they weren't really specific. Um, they said that the plaintiff is seeking equitable relief declaratory judgment, restitution, and alternative damages. But they're not really specific about what that entails, which is sort of interesting. Now, for their part, Kraft Heinz that produces this, they said, we're aware of the lawsuit, but we believe it lacks any merit. We strongly defend against the allegations. So we don't really know what's going on with that. So we're not yet, you know, they, they haven't decided on a financial settlement and or what type of restitution they are seeking. I'm just wondering, is this something that he has, like, measured multiple ones? Or is it just that one individual canister they came up a little short? Because on one hand, and we had talked about this before, how inflation has changed it to where brands are actually specifically not given us what we pay for, yeah. basically. And we've addressed that on the show. So it could be a situation like that, or it could be a situation like I shared with you when I was a l- what happened when I was a little kid where Cracker Jack, um, many, many years ago, it could be just a one-off thing, right, with that canister if he didn't do it with multiple ones. Um, because Cracker Jack... Um, you guys may be familiar with that. The, <laughs> the little, you know, it's like... Peanuts pe- and Cracker Jacks. Yeah, it's peanuts and popcorn made the knick-knack. It's caramel-coated Cracker Jack. That used to be the theme song. I'm so old. <laughs> anyway. Man, that was a long time. If you don't like, remember Cracker Jacks, then we are old. No, I'm, I can remember the theme song, but not what I made for dinner yesterday. <laughs> That's so sad. Anyway. So when I was a child, there was a little girl um, in Carmel, Indiana, who famously sued the manufacturer of Cracker Jack and Borden Foods, right? And the reason why she got mad and sued them was she opened up her box of Cracker Jack and there was not a toy. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now I remember reading this and thinking, 
Well, one, growing up in Indianapolis, we all know Carmel was bougie as hell and kind of spoiled. But two, I know I, whenever I got a box of Cracker Jack in the Hood, sometimes I got a box that didn't have a, a prize in it. Such is life, right? Uh, there's no such as life. They jacked they jacked your box. Well, this little girl was actually encouraged by her parents to actually sue them. The lawsuit said that Cracker Jacks broke its contract to deliver a prize, right? Yeah. So it actually went to small claims court. It made national news. Um and their father wound up being really pissed off that they didn't get what they wanted. So he's like, I didn't expect to be in the limelight to begin with, and I still don't know why it was picked up the way it was. Bro, it was picked up because you sued Cracker Jack. Who the fuck does that? Sorry. Seriously. But he's like, this has been very difficult for us to cope with. We just want our life to go back to normal. Um, But here's the thing. The father encouraged her to sue after she just wrote a letter of complaint to the manufacturer and didn't get a reply, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess they were expecting a hefty payday, but what they wound up with was a letter of her apology and a coupon for a free box of Cracker Jack. Which probably didn't have a toy in it either. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just to be spiteful. Um... I like how Cracker Jack literally could have just sent them a 65-cent toy and been done with this, but... I know! I know! The lawsuit, here's the thing, right? Because they said that they gave about 16 billion toys. And according to Cracker Jack's spokesperson at the time, they had sent a coupon and a letter of apology to Wendy about 13 working days after we got the letter of complaint for her. And keep in mind, this was in the 80s. So it's not like it was email, Okay. She sent a letter. It takes some time for a letter to go from Carmeliana to a big-ass corporation like Borden. Yeah. But she didn't wait the 13 days. She literally sued them before. It was like, next day. I know. Like, I'm suing right now. This is it. This is not going to work. No. So here's the thing. So after making national news, and I remember... Watching this with my parents, and they're like, that child is spoiled as hell. Like, who who would do this? Uh, Baruka. (laughs) Seriously. So the parents decided to back down because, obviously, all the attention they got, right? But here's the funny part. They were asking Cracker Jacks to reimburse them for the court costs, which was the $19 they spent to file the court, (laughs) file the case. And Cracker Jack is like, nah, we're not doing that. So seriously, for a toy that costs under a buck, mm-hmm. they got all of that. Which is crazy. At the same time, <laughs> I understand. But nonetheless, country so, time hopefully doesn't have to go through that. But we no, don't know. Hopefully, country time. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just wondering if this is going to go the way of that lawsuit because, literally, I mean. I can understand it if it was, like, dramatically different. But at best, you weren't going to get, by their own measurements, the eight quarts anyway. So couldn't, like, a letter just saying, hey, this is what happened, that sort of thing, kind of solve this whole thing? As opposed to a class action lawsuit? You would like to say it would, but at the same time, (laughs) 
I think there's going to be some piling on and some, you know, a whole bunch of people jumping in this because it's a class action lawsuit, one. But two, it's like the concept of we have, I, I guess, technically, you could, you know, it's the measurement of what is exactly, you know, because you can make eight quarts of lemonade out of that canister, no matter what is in it. But... I know that yeah, a they by their own admission did not say. I mean, sorry, by their own admission they say it did not make exactly eight quarts. But two, well, okay. His complaint was. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, that's basically this is his complaint is the fact that it did not make the quality of lemonade by concentrate that is to the level of what you know. Country time is used to. Exactly. And I think that's a key point. Because his main complaint said that it was diluted, right? Right. Look, country time didn't promise good lemonade. They promised lemonade. That's right. <laughs> so whatever constitutes lemonade for those eight quarts, that's what you were promised. Right. And that's Now, the thing, you yeah. use a little more or a little less in order to get the taste that you want. That's up to you. Exactly. They're not qualified to give you that. They were just gonna like have, and I'm not, I'm not disparaging Country Time Lemonade. Let me just say I'm very familiar with this particular canister because I used to work in a social justice retreat center, and one of the things we made for the students was Country Time Lemonade, and I can tell you it is taste diluted. So they never promise you quality lemonade. You're not gonna get stuff that you made it yourself. No, you're gonna get whatever you get out of the diluted stuff. Yeah. And you can add more or less to taste. So technically, they delivered. That's right. <laughs> and growing up, we did a lot more of adding than subtracting. <laughs> so, yeah, I fully understand we have done some things to make the, I guess, container worthy of what, you know, they need to get. But at the same time, I know you want that good quality of lemonade. And, you know, I would really admit that, yeah, country time, sometimes you get a diluted container from what, you know, you measured out. Exactly. Well, I hope they get what they want for this lawsuit. If nothing else but an explanation. And hope it doesn't go the way of the Cracker Jack one. (laughs) Oh, not. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to return with the best thing we ate this week. You're listening to The Gorby Cooper. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. This is JJ Outlaw. And T. Outlaw. And we're the co-hosts with The Gourmet Goober Podcast with a very important question. Are you a little gourmet or a lot of wretched? <laughs> or maybe you consider yourself gumbo-worthy. Hey, if the answer is yes to any of those questions, then you need to tell the world with your very own Goober swag. From mugs and aprons to t-shirts and sweatshirts, it's the perfect way to show your love for the Gourmet Goober podcast and, you know, help us keep the lights on in the process. (laughs) So if you are a little bit gourmet and a lot ratchet, head on over to gooberswag.com, that's gooberswag.com, and get your very own Goober gear today. Tell them Big Daddy sent you. That's right. Tell them. Hey, 
everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. And T Outlaw. And we are back with the third segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast. This is where we take a moment to review the best thing we ate this week. As a reminder, if you have a restaurant, a recipe, or anything in between that you want to share for this segment, you can email us at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. That's thegourmetgoober at gmail.com and share it and we'll mention it on the show. So as always, we start with Big Daddy. Um, <laughs> That's me. And I think I have an idea of what you are going to pick, which is hilarious because I think this will probably be the first time in history that we are really divided on this dish. You want to go? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess so. It was, it was funny because the goober brought this into my life. <laughs> like, excitedly. And I was, like, kind of ambivalent to it. Like, oh, okay, whatever. And the fun part was because this was around uh, the magical... A uh, pseudo date of 420. 420. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she was all excited because the goober has never partaken of any um, medicinal herbicide or herbicisms. Um, she decided to uh, partake of the Wingstop <clears throat> order of gla- Blazed and, and glazed. glazed wings. Yes. <laughs> All right, kids. She was so excited because <laughs> she was like, oh, this is going to be magical. We're going to see what happens with these wings. I got to try them. And she was so gung-ho about bringing them home. So we sit down with these wings. Um, and we also had some lemon pepper to the side. We sat down. We started eating them. And the goober just, no. Nah. It didn't go. I took one bite and I was like, nah, this is, <laughs> this is not it. <laughs> you love them. <laughs> okay, I won't say that I love them, but it is the best thing I ate this week because if you really think about the random trash, at, I, I shouldn't say trash. <laughs> if you, This really says a lot about the things that I did not eat this week. You know, I didn't go to a lot of crazy places or have a lot of... Huge things, but yeah, the blazing glazed wings actually, I mean, they weren't off the top, like, you know, mind blowing, but it was a interesting change of pace. I will say that as we talk about the things that, um, the ingredients that were coating these wings, um, actually kind of calmed me down a little bit. I mean, kind of made me a little mellow once I you know, got through the initial taste. Now the goober, however, <laughs> well, <laughs> not so much. Okay. Is it okay if I explain Go. a little bit? Go get it. Okay. First of all, let's just take a step back because the blaze and glaze wings. And I think, did we talk about it on the last podcast? I don't remember if we did. It's something that Wingstop was offering in honor of 420. Um, and no, it did not have weed in it, <laughs> but it did. It was flavored with hemp seeds, terpenes, which my understanding is it's like chemical or additives that you add to weed to give it its flavor. Clearly, I I know nothing about this. Um, strawberry and cayenne pepper, right? Yes. Um, it was a limited time offer. They only offered it on 420. We got it the day after. And yes, I was being kind of playful and goofy 
because I have a confession, particularly since I know that there's one listener to the podcast who is quite a fan and we've communicated on social media before um, for the things that 420 celebrates. And yes, I'm, thank you for outing me. <laughs> I have never in my life. I didn't out nobody. <laughs> you mentioned that I never partake in. I didn't say specifically what you do not partake <laughs> of. You heavily implied. I don't know. It just. Allegedly. I, you know what? I'm not ashamed. I have, I have never partaken of it. She's never passed. <laughs> I've never passed or puffed or anything. In I don't know why. Like when I was younger, I just never did it. And it was very illegal. It's still illegal where we live, but across the border, it is not. So it's kind of weird because where we live, it's like 20 minutes away and it's not. But I just, when I was a kid, I just, I don't know. It's like, okay. It was like I explained to you one time when we were talking about years and years and years ago. And you remember like the commercials for the Just Say No, that horrible world of drugs, which was racially motivated, but we won't get into that. But anyway, you know how they have like the very special episode of the commercials where someone jumps out or just offers you randomly weed. They must have just looked at me and said, oh, she's a square. We're not offering her anything. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to buy it. I wouldn't know who to go for it. No one's ever offered it to me. <laughs> if it wasn't like a legal place you could go to, I would know. I'm I'm so... I'm just, I'm I'm so basic in that regard, <laughs> and it just I've never had the opportunity to. So when I found out about these wings, yeah, I was really goofy because I'm like, ooh, this is something I can do. Mm -hmm. And you were like, no, I don't want any. Like, no, 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 we should totally do it. We should totally do it. And I was getting into it. I was playing Afro Man on the way to pick him up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so we bring him home. And I'm like, we got the weed wings. We, I was singing it and everything. I was not noxious. I took one bite and I was like, oh my God, it's like eating, it's like eating a menthol flavored wing. <laughs> it was like eating a tree. And then I looked at you and was like, is this what marijuana tastes like? Asked me that question, <laughs> and I, I wound up offering you most of the wings because I, I wanted to stick to my lemon pepper, which is my jam. <laughs> That's fine. You know, you know what <laughs> knew your lane, and after you tried, you you knew where to go. My problem is I'm so goofy. Most people think that I partake anyway. Like I told you about that one time, my sorority. Um, they had a barn dance and um, I was there and they had some older alumni for the sorority hang out with us. And most of the people were drinking and me, I'm allergic to alcohol. So what I did was there was a brand of root beer that came in bottles in a six pack that looked like beer. Okay. And I brought it with me and all of my sorority members knew that I don't drink. So it was fine. I was popular. I was the one that like walked everyone home and everything. So there was this one sorority sister that really hit it off with me. And she ran out of beer 
pretty early in the evening. And she's like, JJ, can I, can I have whatever you're drinking? And I wasn't even thinking. I was like, yeah, girl, go ahead. So she goes and takes a bottle, takes one good swig, and it's like, wait, you're sober? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. She goes, girl, I want to hang out with you more often because I, dude, I would never have known. You are your own life of your party. I'm, I am my own weed. <laughs> yeah. No, to be clear, I've had CBD and CBD rocks, but, but yeah, this is about as close as I could get. And then to what you were alluding to, <laughs> part of the reason why, admittedly, I have never tried the medicinal stuff is the fact that I am so sensitive to everything. Like, dude, like, I can get drunk off of Odilis, and that is the straight-up truth. <laughs> yeah, she she can get tore up off of cough medicine. So, <laughs> I've just always been careful. And <laughs> seriously, whatever was in the hemp and the terpen- terpenes, I was knocked out within, like, like, 12 minutes of eating it. It was, like, the super-itis. <laughs> yeah, she did. She had a pretty... Pretty good nap after that. I slept through both basketball games we were watching. <laughs> it was really bad. So anyway, yes, the the blazing glaze wings were actually kind of subtle once you got past the fact it kind of ran along your tongue a little funky. It kind of whatever drink I had like made it taste extra cold. And yeah, like you know the strawberry. And a little bit like, you know, the flavoring was kind of like, it's it's kind of like, like a weird smoke that was on the wings. But for the most part, it was just wings. To me, it was like, ooh, it's just chicken. I felt nothing, but yeah. I, I, so you didn't get that weird tingling because they said even that they were going to have like a tingling like after effect on your tongue. And I totally got that. Yeah, there was and- a tingling on my tongue, but it was just. It was kind of subdued, I would say. And like I said, other than the sensation of like like feeling things extra warm and extra cold, um, and the fact that yeah, after twenty minutes, yeah, I was I was a little more mellow than I was when I first started. I mean, wasn't anything out of the ordinary. I was just like, oh okay, you know, just different change of pace of wings. Yeah, I, I settled in for a nice nap. It yeah. was like if I ate more than three CBD gummies at <laughs> one sitting, I, I can't handle that. Or like take more than a couple of drops of CBD oil, I'm like out for like days. <laughs> and so the disclaimer to the government is <laughs> the gourmet goober does not endorse taking anything that is illegally you know, obtained and or. In your individual state, because we realize that in all 50 states, it's not illegal. This is not an advertisement for that. And there's no marijuana or THC in these wings. That said, it knocked me out. Yes. <laughs> I did not get... I was bummed out. I was at least hoping I was going to get a munchie or two. But no. Not yeah. even a munchie. No, I had, <laughs> didn't get the munchies either. But, you know, I guess it does help with, like, you know, with, you know, my, you know, the help eating the food. But for the most part... It was the best thing I ate this week, and I was I was glad to try it, but that was about it. So anyway, 
Well, one thing, and I'll put the information about it in the show notes, but one thing I want to remind listeners is it's for a limited time off. It was for a limited time. So it's probably by the, by the time it's out, this podcast is out, it won't be available in your area. That said, um, maybe Wingstock will bring it back. And if so, you can try it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best thing I ate this week <laughs> actually was something that I saw on Duff Goldman's new show. And if you know Duff, he's more known for his sweet dishes. He has a bakery that he ran for many, many, many years. He is the ace of cakes. He is the ace of cakes. But now he has a show that is called Ace of Taste, where Duff showcased some of his more savory um, cooking styles that he has available. So in this particular um, show, and I think it just debuted, he had a recipe for chili con carne, um, which is traditional Tex, Texan-style chili. Um, that's chili with no beans, um, no spaghetti. So I, I think I mentioned another um, podcast, how I was taught to make it years and years ago by my dad, um, which is more Cincinnati-style. Um, yeah, Big Daddy loved it because it was straight meat. <laughs> meat. Meat and peppers. Meat. <laughs> Yes. Um, it was a really simple recipe to make. It was delicious. But that by itself is not the best thing I had. Okay. <laughs> the best thing I ate this week was the next day when I took his chili and I had some leftover tater tots that we had for a previous meal. And I just wanted to clear stuff out of the freezer. So I decided to cook the tater tots. So you desecrated tater tots. <laughs> Dude. I I pan fried the potato tots, right? Potato okay. tots. And then I topped it with the chili con carne, um, cheese, and a touch of Mexican crema cheese. Or crema, crema which is Mexican sour cream. Why not Oaxaca? That's something totally different. You just wanted to say that. Yes, yes I did. <laughs> You're proud that you know that's it. But it was amazing. It was like poutine, like amplified. And everyone who listens to this show long term knows that I can eat my weight in poutines. I'm like obsessed with poutine. If I ever get a chance to go back to Toronto, that'll just make me eating my way across the border again like I did. Just nothing but poutine. So <laughs> I am pretty excited. I was pretty Jazz, and I don't know what made me try the dish, but it was so, so good. It was just, it was perfect, right? Because the crispiness and the texture of the tater tots and the heat um, and the meaty texture for the chili con carne. Beats. And then, you know, you topped it off with some sour cream or crema. Um, had some, I had some grated extra sharp cheddar and, oh, and I had some green, um, scallions. I had some scallions and I chopped them up fine and put them on. Just perfect. It was just umami and every bite. It was amazing. So I highly recommend Duff's recipe and I put a link to it on the show notes. But if you could do that 
and get your life and top tater tots on it. I mean, I'm sure it would be french fries, but the tater tots were perfect because the great thing about tater tots, if you, you know, cook them just right, they have that really incredible crisp, crisp on the outside of it and the potato flakiness inside. It was perfect. No, I gotta admit, the, the little bit that the Gruber did share with me was actually pretty tasty. I, I gotta admit, I did not expect that. We need to find a thing, something to call it, but it was good. <laughs> Tex-Mex poutine? I don't know. Chili Kung poutine? I, I, I'll, I'll figure out by the next podcast what to call it. But anyway, that is chili poo. Chili poo. <laughs> chili poo. <laughs> For now, we're going to call it Chili Poo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that I think about it, maybe not. <laughs> oh, yes, let's, let's not. <laughs> so now that we've horrified and intrigued our listeners, <laughs> Big Daddy, where can they find you online? <laughs> uh, once again, you can find me, uh, T-Outlaw, as T-Outlaw on Twitter. And you can also find me on Instagram at Tiatlaw Josie Wells. Don't go look for me on Facebook because <laughs> I'm not going to answer. He is on Facebook, but don't look for him. <laughs> um, as for me, you can always find me on Twitter at JJ Outlaw. You can find me on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. Drop us a line anytime at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. You can also um, visit the Gourmet Goober. Um, blog, either on Facebook as the Gourmet Goober blog, because that's how we started, or you can go to the GourmetGoober.com. We can get links to recipes, deals with our sponsors, link to our Goober swag. Um, you can check out our swaggy new media kit that I just posted and designed. Woohoo! Um, you can drop me a line and hire me if you want me to design yours. <laughs> but um, for Big Daddy and I, we want to say thank you so much for listening to the Gourmet Goober. Happy three years to us. We're looking for many more. Happy 10,000 plus downloads. Yes. <laughs> and until next time, happy eating. Happy eating. <laughs>